0: Welcome to the Revelation Church podcast. We trust today's message will speak to you. If you'd like to get in touch, just drop us an email at hello at revelationchurch.org.uk. Morning Rev. Uh, today we have a story um, in our uh, Conquest of the Promised Land series that I think you'll find very encouraging. Um, it's a little bit in the wrong order because uh, the uh, Luke preaching last week, um, we felt that was a great sermon for him to preach and so... We fast forwarded it a bit, but it's fine. Today's story really does stand alone. So we're going to look at um, Joshua chapter 14 uh, from verse uh, 6 down to the end. And then we're going to also look at a passage in Numbers uh, chapter 13 as well um, to to help us to make sense of it. Because if you're not familiar with the, uh, the story, then you can get lost in all of this and it can all seem a little bit... Um, it can seem, uh, it's it's, it's not easy to, to really get to the full depth, the full richness of what we should be from this story if we don't understand where it all fits in the narrative. So let's look at Joshua 14, verse six. Then the people of Judah came to Joshua at Gilgal and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite said to him, you know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God in Kadesh Barnea concerning you and me? I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spare out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in my heart. But my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. Yet I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot has trodden shall be an inheritance for you and your children forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive just as he did these 45 years since the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel walked in the wilderness. And now behold, I am this day 85 years old. I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then, for war, for going and coming. So now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day how the Anakim were there, With great fortified cities, it may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall drive them out, just as the Lord said. Then Joshua blessed him, and he gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, for an inheritance. Therefore Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. Now the name of Hebron formerly was Kiriath Arba. Arba was the greatest man among the Anakim, and the land had rest from war." So we've got this story of um, the people of Judah um, coming to Joshua at Gilgal. Caleb himself is associated with the tribe of Judah and he comes up and and, and the conversation zones in on this very dear, precious conversation between two aged, faithful men of God. Because uh, if you remember uh, back in the day, 45 years before, Moses sent 12 spies into the promised land to look around and bring back a report. Two of those spies were Joshua and Caleb. And um, well, let's read what happened when those spies returned from their journey. And this is what Caleb is referring to in Numbers chapter 13, verse 25 at the end of 40 days they returned from spying out the land and they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land and they told him we came to the land to which you sent us it flows with milk and honey and this is its fruit however the people who dwell in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large and besides we saw the descendants of Anak there The Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the hill country. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land, that they had spied out saying the land through which we have gone to spy out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it are of great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak who come from the Nephilim. And we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers. And so we seemed to them. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron, the whole congregation said to them, would that we had died in the land of Egypt or would that we had died in this wilderness Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Go back to Egypt. Where our baby sons were thrown into the river. Go back to Egypt. Where we were oppressed and enslaved. We were made to... Make bricks, but without any straw. Go back to Egypt, where we were oppressed and persecuted. What could lead to such crazy thinking, such outrageous talk from the people of Israel? Here's what led to it. Unbelief. Ten of the spies, the ten other spies, in response to Joshua and Caleb's words of faith. We can do this. This is the land God has promised us. We can do this. Let's get on with it. Let's go up and occupy the land. These other 10, in response to them, say, no, we can't. We can't do it. We're like grasshoppers, in our own eyes and in their eyes. They're too big. There's too many of them. Their cities are fortified. It's impossible. And then before you know it, the whole of the congregation is weeping and wailing. And before you know it, they want a new leader to take them back to Egypt. This is after walking through a sea that God had divinely opened for them uh, which had then closed in and consumed their enemies how, how can that happen how can a congregation of people be uh, moved from that point to this point and it's a very serious moment because it's this point in direct response to this where God says Do you know what this generation will not inherit the land and only two individuals made it from that generation that adult generation into the promised land. Joshua, who we've been reading about in this series, and Caleb. They were the two guys who believed God. They saw the tall people. They saw the fortified cities. They saw what everyone else saw. Now they came back and said, we can do it. We can do it. They approached what was ahead of them in a spirit of faith and the bible says that faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see and faith says that without and the bible says that without faith it is impossible to please god the unbelief of the other 10 spies was contagious it led to despair it led to terror fear negativity It led to all of those things. Joshua and Caleb were distraught at what they were hearing. They knew the land was theirs. They knew in God they could go up and get it now. But the unbelief disqualified them from the land. And if you read Hebrews chapter 3, you'll read a New Testament commentary on this incident, which talks about them being unable to enter through their unbelief, that their unbelief disqualified them. Today, I want us to think about living in the spirit of faith. What does it look like? Because it certainly doesn't mean that we live in unreality. The report was a fair report. The land flows of milk and honey. This is its fruit. There's huge people living there, fortified cities. It was a sober report. It wasn't, it, there was nothing wrong with that report. It was then the conclusions that they came to. Joshua and Caleb said, we can do it. Why? Because God's promised us. Yeah, that, that's the situation that God has said, so we can do it. The other 10 said, we can't do it. It's too much. That, that, that's the issue there. That's the issue there. They both saw the same thing. They both saw exactly the same thing. They were both met with exactly the same evidence. They didn't go to different lands. They went to the same land. They saw the same thing. But the, but the way they assessed it was completely different. Based on what? what? What can you root it down to? Based on what? Well, the language... It's very interesting here because, um, interestingly, the name uh, Caleb. Um, there is some discussion about it, but it, it it's very likely that it means whole heart, that it means one hearted, and it's interesting here if we look at Caleb's own um, assessment, really, of, of of what of what went on, um, that that he had wholly followed, wholly followed, the Lord, my God. That that. Caleb saw the same thing, but he knew that God had promised them the land. And as a result, his assessment was completely different from the other ten. And then we get this great moment where there he is, 85 years of age. God has kept him. God has promised him the inheritance. And now he's 85%. I'm as strong as, I, as I've ever been. I'm ready to fight. I want the land. It's a wonderful picture of the way that um, faith keeps us young. Faith keeps us in a place of vitality. Faith keeps us in a place where um, the moment we go to be with the Lord, we can still be bright-eyed. There can still be that glint in our eye because we're believing God, because we we are expecting God to do great things, because we've not been overwhelmed by the circumstances. We've not allowed the circumstances to dictate our assessment of what's going on. We've, we've soberly assessed the circumstances, but we say, yeah, but, but God said. Perhaps similarly to when when Jesus arrives on the scene many years later. You know, he arrives on the scene in Israel. His own people reject him for the most part. There's a remnant that, that follow him, but for the most part they, they reject him. He came to that which was his own, and his own did not receive him. He comes into a situation that just looks pretty dire. The, the state of the nation spiritually is not, it's not great. There's not been any meaningful, prophetic uh, vision for a long, long time. Um, John the Baptist came just before Jesus, but before him, centuries of silence in terms of you know authentic, prophetic voices. They're under Roman occupation. The best they've got are the Pharisees. You think, oh, wow, look, wow, what's going on? <laughs> what's going on? And into the midst of it, Jesus says, I'll build my church into the midst of it, I'll build my church. The gates of Hades won't prevail against it. I'm gonna do that, I've got a people, Jew and Gentile, I'm gonna to bring together, I'm gonna to do it, nothing's gonna stop me. Nothing's gonna stop me, the, the Roman Empire won't stop this. Nothing can stop this. The The situation of the uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees squabbling and um, play acting, that's not gonna stop this. Nothing's gonna stop this, I will build my church. He, he he comes into the midst of a hopeless situation, really, and uh, he just he follows the father's plan. Have you ever have you ever po- the, the most influential man in history, without a doubt, the most influential man in history? He doesn't do what what we might expect. He doesn't travel huge distances. He doesn't write anything. Um, invests really in uh, invests is for the most part. Into twelve guys, has a few other friends, um, ministers to and, and serves the crowds. But by the time he, by the time he's crucified and risen from the dead, there's a few hundred. You know, there've been plenty of other so-called messiahs who have who'd gathered such numbers. It doesn't didn't look, didn't look anything super impressive. You think is that it? But the words of Jesus, ringing throughout eternity, I'll build my church. I will build my church. The gates of Hades will not prevail against it. You see, it it's it, again it, it it defies natural logic. We assess the situation. This is what it is, but there's something more going on. This is what it is, but there's something greater going on. Joshua and Caleb assess it. Yeah, this is what it is, but there's something greater going on. Jesus assesses it, but there's there's a purpose here that has that 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 has been going from the beginning of time, and will come through. To the end, and nothing can stop it. Nothing can get in the way of it. Nothing can subvert it. Nothing can knock it off course. Nothing can destroy the purpose of God. Nothing can undermine or hold back um, the the plan of God. Nothing can ward off the hand of God. It can't be done. It can't be done. And so, if we now fast forward to our to our day, where you know you think, what's what what what? How has the church done, for example, over the last year and a half with the COVID pandemic? Pandemic. I want to be honest with you. I think that's the least of our troubles. <laughs> I really do. I think that's the least of our troubles. I think. I think. I think there have probably been some people who, for some, for different reasons, would not be so connected to a church as they were before uh, the pandemic, and there'll be others who would have joined. It probably won't be hugely different. It's the least of our worries when we think about the spiritual landscape really the issues we need to be uh, concerned about you know are a, a complete change in the way that people are thinking about life considering life what matters what's important the place of god who they are in our part of the world now unlike many parts of the world but in our part of the world it's been a a wholesale exchange of any sort of biblical truth for completely different uh, assessment of life and values it's a uh, it's a it's a wholesale exchange uh, now or from of thinking that has no space for the centrality of jesus it, it might have a space for uh, what everyone having their own little belief and that's fine but for jesus christ to be central for the one who made it all to be glorified and honored and worshipped and praised there's no there's no room for that anymore that's what we're up against the question is with what spirit are we going to engage with it in what spirit will, will we be like those people weeping and wailing and beating our chests and despairing and saying woe is us what's the point we're not getting anywhere might as well just you know, egypt represents the world let's just go back to the world to worldliness what's the point we're not getting anywhere hold on a minute nothing can stop the purposes of god over the over the centuries and millennia um there have been different cultural moves different waves of this that and the other none of them have been able to stop the purposes of god Um, the church around the world is uh, advancing and multiplying uh, more spectacularly than it has ever done our part of the world our cold corner of the world is an exception Um, but i've got faith for this cold corner of the world, as I do for the ends of the earth, and I and, and I think even even if we have to wait uh, decades, like Caleb, before we begin to see um, the inheritance, before we begin to see this land, and the multitudes turn into Christ, or well, so be it, or even maybe more, maybe like Jesus, we go to our death, and there's there's not even loads to show for it by then. So be it. God's purpose will not be held back. God's hand will not be warded off. God's plans will not be um, undermined. They cannot be. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. But the reality is, is that we are caught up in something far bigger than ourselves. We are caught up in something way beyond ourselves. And so we can take heart. But maybe the question that we need to be considering and asking ourselves is what has God put in our hearts? What, is, what can we go for in our lifetime what can we pursue and reach for spiritually in our lifetime what can we sow that might be reaped what can we where, where can we give ourselves where can we give um, ourselves for in a, in a sense that will be an investment in the kingdom of god and eternity well you can rest assured that one way or the other one way or the other it's about investing in people one way or the other put taking what the lord has put in you and putting it into others bringing words of life, words of hope, words of truth and grace, speaking of Jesus, and demonstrating what he's like to others. It will yield a harvest of righteousness. You can rest assured of that. You can rest assured of that. And I just want to encourage us really, as we consider this next season, going forward with you know life returning to some sort of uh, normality, um, that we would approach it with a spark in our eyes, that we would approach it with that Caleb spirit, that spirit of faith, where we would say, hey, look, I've run, but I'm ready to run some more. I've fought, but I'm, I'm ready to fight some more. I, okay, if there's some more battles, all right. right. I'm God has given me the strength not to just fight, but to win. Uh, we will overcome. And to really take that on board and have that in our hearts and to trust that as we do so, that God will bless that faith, that God will bring us this next season into... Um, into things that we probably couldn't foresee, things that we might not even be able to ask or imagine, but they will bring us into reality of his kingdom in and through the church, the likes of which we've never seen yet. I want to ask us to believe for that, to press in for that, to pray for that, to ask for that, to fly the flag for that, uh, to blow the trumpets, to declare that, to help exalt, encourage, lead one another into that Um so that we, so that so that as a people, we can we can live in that spirit of faith, know the pleasure of God as we do so, and also know that we are walking into uh, the inheritance, walking into the land that, that God has promised us, and and playing our part, serving the purpose of God in our generation. Let's have that Caleb spirit, uh, in Jesus' name, Amen.